You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 1960s Reboot Podcast, the only podcast that reviews and reboots a classic 1960s television show, or sometimes a 1960s movie. I am your host, Matt D., and with me today is a special holiday episode with my good friend, Jerry the Gnome. Hey, Jerry, thanks for joining us. Hey, Matty D., glad I could be here to help you out on this new year, uh, Version of the 1960s reboot. I'm looking forward to rebooting this here uh, movie you picked out. I understand you uh, you really thought of me when you picked it out. Yeah, Jerry, I did. I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, allow me to introduce today's movie. We are talking about that classic Walt Disney film, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, starring Sean Connery, Jimmy O'Day, Kieran Moore, and Janet Monroe. Hey, wait a minute. You didn't tell me it was going to be Darby O'Gill and the Little People. I thought we were doing, like, The Apartment, or Ben-Hur, or, or, um, what's that, what's that one with, uh, uh Charlton Heston? You know, um, the other Ben-Hur one. Why'd you pick Darby O'Gill and the Little People? Sorry, Jerry. I know your affinity for leprechauns, and it, with it being the holiday of St. Patrick's Day, literally around the corner from when we record this, I figured, what the hey, why not cover it? All right, but, um, I'm not happy with this. Not at all. Nope. No sorry. All right, Jerry. Well, we'll go ahead and dive into Darby O'Gill and the Little People. So Darby O'Gill and his daughter, Katie, live together in Rathcullen, a small Irish town where Darby is a caretaker for Lord Fitzpatrick's estate. Darby continually tries to catch a tribe of leprechauns, particularly their king, Brian Connors. Wait a minute. Hold on. You're telling me he's trying to capture leprechauns? Oh, well, yeah. Had I known that, uh, I'm all about, you know, catching those little, Beep. you know, being a gnome, I tend to have to deal with these little short guys because they're just as short as I am, and they get in the way a lot. Anyway, Lord Fitzpatrick retires Darby, replacing him with a young Dubliner named Michael McBride, played by yours truly, Jerry the Gnome. I'm kidding. Played by Sean Connery. Darby begs Michael not to tell Katie he has been replaced. He reluctantly agrees. While chasing Fitzpatrick's horse, Cleopatra. Hey, that's a great name for a horse. Great name for a lady and, well, a whole lot of other people. Heck, Cleopatra, Cleopatra was probably best played by, uh, what's her face? Um, you know, the perfume lady. Oh, Britney Spears? No, no. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a movie we should probably do. Cleopatra. Wait, anyway, where was I? Oh. So Cleopatra, who is actually a puka. Oh, man, she's a puka. That's terrible. You don't want to have to deal with a puka. You know, they're uh, they're evil, you know, Irish spirit ghosts that like to cause mayhem and mischief. Uh, you got to be careful of them things. Don't let the pukas get you. Anyway, where was I? I keep going off on these tangents. All right, so Darby is captured by Brian and the leprechauns and taken to their mountain lair. You mean lair? Yeah. Mountain Lair, Nock, Najiga, Najiga. 
you know, all them uh, Celtic names and stuff. It's kind of hard to pronounce sometimes. You know, we gnomes, we're, uh, we're not actually down with the whole Celtic terminologies. So if I uh, screw this up, I am sorry. I'm what you call a North American gnome. And so I don't mind much with a standard gnome accent because, you know, we're originally from the Netherlands. And everyone's all like, oh, how come you don't sound like Netherland? Well, I got your Netherland right here. Mark to 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 Jerry. Let's just get back on point. All right, all right, all right. Brian brought Darby there uh, to prevent Katie from leaving. He, Leah, her, oh, man. Uh, sorry, Alec, I screwed the script up. Let me, uh, let me start that over. Can you uh, edit some of that? Yeah, no problem. Brian brought Darby there to prevent Katie from learning he lost his job. Darby cannot leave Nakshanania as a consequence. Uh, okay, so Darby tricks the leprechauns into opening the mountain at and leaving by playing the fox chase on Brian's violin. Darby escapes, and expecting Brian to pursue him, engages him in a drinking game with a jug of Putin, which is uh, also called poutine. Not to be confused with the Canadian um, dish uh, with French fries and gravy. This is actually uh, Mountain Dew, or Mountain Brew, or Mountain Tea, or the Devil's Spittle. It's an Irish, you know, Irish whiskey that I'll put, you know, uh, hair on your chest. Oh, yeah, hey, I got that in spades. Them, uh, poutine, or whatever you want to call it, that's, uh, that's some good strong stuff. Anyway, allowing him to capture the leprechaun at sunrise when his magic has no effect. Since Darby caught him, Brian grants him three wishes. Three wishes. Why is it always three wishes? Well, Maddie Day, you see, because, uh, number three has a magical power to it. So, three wishes. So, Brian grants him three wishes, but warns that wishing for a fourth forfeits them all. Darby's first wish is for Brian to stay by his side for two weeks or until Darby runs out of wishes. Brian tricks Darby into using his second wish to draw Katie and Michael closer together. Pony Sugri, a town bully, decides to take Michael's new job and Katie for himself. Pony's mother, Sheila, 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 Sheila. Tells Katie about Darby's retirement, causing Katie to angrily confront Darby and Michael. Katie discovers Cleopatra has gotten loose again and chases her to Nakshnashiga. Why do I always get these ones? Nakshnashiga. Darby later finds her stricken with a deadly fever. The Banshee. Now there's there's an interesting uh, mythic lore of the Banshee. A evil spirit that howls real loud and splits people's ears and, you know, goes across. I have nothing to tell you about it, the Banshee, other than it's a really cool comic book character from uh, Marvel Comics. Uh, copyright Marvel Comics. Um, so, yeah, the Banshee appears and summons the Dullahan, or the Death Coach, to transport Katie's soul. Brian sadly grants Darby's third wish to take Katie's place. And wishing that uh, Brian would... Console him in a death coach, and so he wishes another wish. This counts as a fourth wish, and Brian voids all his others. Darby is free from the death coach and returns to Katie, who makes a full recovery. Michael later confronts and humiliates Pony at the pub. Michael and Katie fall in love with Darby's approval. Of course they fall in love. I mean, it's freaking, uh, you know, the main characters. Anyway... Um, so, Maddie D, what else can you tell us about this wonderful uh, movie you decided to pick out? Uh, I see it was a Walt Disney film.
Yeah, it was. Um, Walt Disney conceived the film during a trip to Ireland with the uh, Irish Folklore Commission in 1947. Uh, the following year, Disney announced he would make a film titled Three Wishes, based on a script from Walt Kinn about an Irish battling a leprechaun, which was to involve both live action and animation. However, the script was never approved. Disney took to a second trip to Ireland in 1956 and announced a new film that October, The Three Wishes of Darby O'Gill, based on Kavanaugh's 1903 book, Darby O'Gill and the Good People. Retaining Retaining Watkin as writer, Disney studied Gaelic folklore for three months at the Dublin Library and received input while developing the film. During the casting in London of Feb- in February 1958, the film's title became Darby O'Gill and the Little People. All right, so let me get this straight. Originally it was The Three Wishes, then it became Three Wishes of Darby O'Gill, then it was Darby O'Gill and the Good People, and now Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Make up your mind, man. Barry Fitzgerald was Disney's first choice to play both Darby and Brian. Sharp and O'Day. Sharp. Albert Sharp. Okay. Sharp, Sharp. Were instead cast in the lead roles after Disney spotted O'Day in a pantomime. Now, folks, a pantomime is a British theater enactment of uh, with lots of singing and dancing, and it's geared more towards children. It's what uh, what you would probably consider Saturday morning cartoons, but done in a live action, you know, studio or not studio, a live action theater, because all theaters are live action. Oh yeah, you know those pantomimes. They were they were fun to watch as a kid. I remember watching them when I was in London. Uh, of course, that was your you know, hundred some odd years ago, literally, because I'm like you know four hundred years old. I've been around a while. Really? I didn't know that, Jerry. Well, you know, we magical folk, we uh, tend to do a lot of stuff. All right, so uh, Monroe was cast in March after Disney signed her to a five-year contract while Connery was borrowed from 20th Century Fox, where he was then under contract. Filming started in the Disney backlot in May of 1958, though some location work was done in Albertson Ranch in the San Fernando Valley. Wait a minute. None of this took place in... Ireland, it was all done right here in the United States? Uh, yeah, that's where a lot of stuff was shot. They would find locations similar to where they were lo- looking for. Monroe and Connery sing a duet in the film titled Pretty Irish Girl, apparently dubbing over vocals by Brendan O'Dowd and Ruby Murray, which was released in the UK as a single in 1959. Connery recorded the song solo for the 1992 compilation The Music of Disney, A Legacy of Song. The film has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 15 reviews with an average grade of 7 out of 10. It certainly isn't the worst Sean Connery film. I mean, take a look at that classic 1990s film, The Avengers. Hey, don't say that, man. You uh, you ever see Zardoz? That was pretty bad. No, Zardoz has, has its place in Americana. Nope, no, it doesn't. Zardalis is probably the worst Sean Connery movie ever made. I don't know. Darby O'Gill and Little People. Whatever. Anyway, so why are we rebooting this thing? Well, we really can't reboot the script considering that, you know, it's a period piece. It was set in, uh, in you know, I think the 1800s. I'm not sure. It's been a while since I actually sat down and watched the movie. Wait a minute. So we're recording this and you haven't watched the movie since what? 
1992, 93? Uh, probably. It's been a while. Well, I really, uh, I don't have anything to really put in for Darby O'Gill and the little people. I was more interested in hearing what you had to say about uh, this classic uh, Walt Disney film. All right. So you want me to talk to you about leprechauns, then? That's what it comes down to. And you're just using this whole thing as a charade. Charade, charade. Uh, charade? Yeah, that's what I said. Charade. Anyway, so Darby O'Gill and the little people. Well, as you know, Sean Connery is my idol. You know, it was a sad day to find out he died in 2020. Anyway, so this is the only movie that I know of where Sean Connery actually sings. So I don't like leprechauns because, well, they tend to be stingy with their gold and they sit in their, in their little holes and really don't do much of anything. And then they come down and they pull shenanigans and, and crazy stuff onto, onto us common folk who are trying to, you know, do things around the world. That whole Brian Connor guy, he really screwed over Darby O'Gill there for a while. I mean, he had him stuck in his own little cave, and, and it took a long time for Darby to figure out a way to get out. Anyway, uh, yeah, so you really can't reboot the story. And uh, there's a freaking thing flying around me. <clears throat> so, let's see. Uh... I really couldn't tell you anything more about it or about Darby O'Gill and the little people. Except that leprechauns suck. So I don't care what you say. Leprechauns are bad news. I should know. I'm Jerry the Gnome. Alright, Jerry. So, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. What? what, what I mean, it's, it's the 60s reboot. I mean, if you were going to reboot this story, it's it's there's not a whole lot to go on. I mean, there's a story here about leprechauns and three wishes. Yeah. I got none. All right. Well, this has been fun. Um, I will catch you on the flip side, and I'll let you wrap up your little podcasty thing here, as there's like probably 20 minutes of just, just rambling about leprechauns and Darby O'Gill and how Sean Connery is the coolest. <laughs> and if you're ever going to recast this movie, I would recommend putting in uh, that guy Daniel Craig. You know, he makes a great James Bond, and yeah, if you had the first James Bond in this movie in the beginning, why not do it with the uh, newest James Bond? So yeah, Daniel Craig. In fact, just change to say Daniel Craig and the Little People, and recast all the uh, all the leprechauns. You know, don't do that CGI crap. Just, just hire uh, gnomes. <laughs> Wait, so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hire gnomes to the uh, leprechauns? Well, yeah, sure. You don't want to hire real leprechauns. You know what's going to happen? They'll end up stealing your uh, your gold. Stuff will get missing on the set. They'll start, you know, making tricks on people. And yeah, they'd save a lot of money on production. I mean, you wouldn't have to use CGI. You wouldn't have to do any like split camera tricks. You could just have a leprechaun right there. You know, you know, Jerry, you could probably, you know, make it happen. Oh, no way, man. I ain't going. I ain't going back to Ireland. I ain't. I'm not getting anywhere near any any leprechauns. I mean, it's like, okay, middle America is far enough away from leprechauns that they won't bother me. So, yeah. All right, Jerry. Well, um, thanks for this rather opinionated uh, version of the 1960s reboot. And, um, folks, if you've enjoyed this humorous look at Darby O'Gill and the Little People 
as a reboot um, with my fantastical fantasy friend from far away in the land of... Um, where are you from, Jerry? Well, you know, um, from the Magical Kingdom. Not Disney's Magical Kingdom, but, you know, an imaginary kingdom that was made up in your head. All right, Jerry. Well, again, thanks for stopping by and uh, still looking forward to hearing your... Uh, your what is it? A war journal? Um, fantasy novel? What were you, what are you coming up with? Oh, well, you know, I have no idea anymore. I'm just rambling on and on. I'm an old, old man who's been working as a tookie off, you know, standing out lawns, protecting homes against the banshees and the and the death coaches and all that wonderful stuff you see in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. So yeah, check out your latest gnome stuff. You know, gnomes were cool. We're better than them leprechauns any day. All right. Well, thank you, folks, for listening to the Sixties Reboot. If you've enjoyed the show, this wonderful farce, um, come check out some of our other episodes where we dive deeper into TV shows and we reboot them for today's audiences. We recast them with modern day actors and actresses. Uh, this has been more of a fun look at a classic 19... Well, 1959 movie. Uh, so it's right there on the cusp of the 1960s. Uh, but nothing says music and fun of the 1960s than, you know, a Walt Disney film. And have yourself a nice evening, folks. Yep. Good night, folks. See you on the flip side. Do 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 do